Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fullest Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Bostwick, and today's guest is Carolyn O'Hare, who's the co-founder and COO at Tiny Organics, and she's a blended family and co-parenting expert. Hi, Carolyn. Hi. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to chat with you. Your company is right up my alley, and also I just you know, like briefly going through your history. I'm super excited to learn more about you and how you came upon starting Tiny Organics. And it's just such a brilliant concept and I definitely need it in my life. So I'm excited to share it with our audience and just kind of learn more about you because I just love founder stories in general. And we've had quite a bit of founders on and it's always exciting to hear from women and their journey and really empowering for our audience too, because I think that so many people have such incredible ideas and it's really taking that idea and actually moving forward with it. And it takes a lot of courage and it takes funding and it takes a lot of different pieces, putting different pieces together. And I think moms just kind of do that on a daily basis. And so it's great to remind moms, like you're already doing it. It's just doing it in a different way. So it's just exciting to hear other people's stories. So thank you for joining us. Um, I just wanted to share a little bit about you. If you guys are not aware of Tiny Organics and Carolyn, uh, she has over a decade of experience as a supply chain and operations expert in the CPG industry. She formerly ran operations at Fiji and Beyond Meat. She's currently the co-founder and CEO of Tiny Organics, like I mentioned, which is an early childhood nutrition company focused on shaping baby and toddler palates to prefer vegetables. Tiny Organics has raised $14 million in venture capital and serves customers nationwide. That's a huge deal and also very expansive for me as the fulls goes on to raise money here soon. So thank you again for coming on and I'm really excited to learn more about the trajectory of your career before we dive deep into Tiny Organics. So, you know, we just chatted. Um, You mentioned that you're from Irvine, which I'm here in Orange County. I grew up here as well. I'd love to learn, you know, how a woman from Irvine ended up starting Tiny Organics, an early childhood development company. Definitely. Thanks. As Yes, as we were chatting, I am from Southern California. I grew up in Orange County and lived in LA as an adult. And I've been in the food and beverage industry for my whole career. Um, and when you live in California, you kind of take for granted that you have a lot of amazing grocery stores and farmers markets really at your fingertips and a lot of healthy options. It's definitely part of a lifestyle in Southern California. When I moved to New York in 2017, I was living in Harlem and went to my nearest local grocery store to find that there was only one variety of potato available. And it was a nondescript white potato, no sweet potatoes, no red potatoes. And just really made me realize that there's a real accessibility issue, even in a major metropolitan city like New York and these kind of food deserts around the country and in places that you wouldn't expect them to be a really, it's a really, unfair situation for a lot of people in our country. So with Tiny Organics, kind of my why for building is really to create accessibility and and these healthy 
childhood offerings around the country and for all babies to have access to healthy foods so that they can have a really positive lifelong relationship with vegetables for the rest of their life. Yeah, I, I traveled to New York when I was younger, but it wasn't until my in-laws moved there um, before they were my in-laws that I started spending more time there. And I was like, how is this city so incredible? And like the farmer's markets, nothing's organic. The farmer's markets are nothing like California. And I, you know, the more I got into food and wellness, I realized that over 80% of our food um, in this country is grown in California. So we really are blessed here to have access to fresh food. So yeah, even though most people still don't eat, give their children vegetables, like every restaurant menu, it's just like chicken fingers for kids or hamburgers. And I think that that just obviously makes the situation worse because we're just like, you know, whatever, they'll eat their mac and cheese, they'll eat their chicken fingers. All we care about is them getting food in their stomachs yeah. at that point. And I understand, you know, it's really hard. And my children actually, um, I share this all the time. I like, I feel like it comes up every podcast episode, but my children have a rare genetic condition where they have to eat every few hours. Like they can never mm -hmm. go into places. So I always thought, you know, I was going to raise my kids and not push them to eat anything unless they were hungry and all that stuff. And then you just get toddlers and you're like, eat, like I'll do whatever it takes. And you have to like take a step back. But I think that there's just this huge need for a company like Tiny Organics to kind of come in and make it playful and put in as much nutrition as we possibly can and allow us to offer those like exciting foods, but a different take. So yeah, I think that, you know, the idea of helping our little ones form this lifelong positive relationship with food and cultivate those healthy eating patterns are so important to so many of us parents. So can you tell us a little bit about like the genesis of Tiny Organics? And you can kind of share like you came from Beyond Meat, you came from Fiji. So you have this experience with supply chain. You have this experience in this industry. How did you end up coming upon Tiny Organics? The whole idea I was like, it kind of reminds me of like daily harvest for toddlers basically, <laughs> right? Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that sort of like what inspired yeah. you. So I have two co-founders as well, um, Betsy and Sophia. And Betsy was a, a multi-time founder at the time that we founded the company. She was pregnant with her first and now pregnant with her second. And then my other co-founder, Sophia, she is Finnish. And in Finland, there's an invention called the Finnish Baby Box, which is given to all parents in the country. It's a, The countries aren't comparable, of course, to the U.S., but it's significantly, you know, improved the infant life expectancy and was a really great benefit to all families and subsidized by the government. And then I have a, you know, food and beverage background in CPG and especially working at Beyond Meat, which is plant-based. And it was definitely probably most defined my ethos around food and accessibility and making plant-based palatable and accessible to people who haven't experienced it before. And so we we all got together in 2018 to start Tiny Organics and the evolution of the product really came from there. The ethos is very much leaning into a movement called baby-led weaning, which is gaining popularity in the U.S., a little bit more popular in Europe. But essentially, it's a uh, method of feeding your little ones um, after they are finished with breast milk and formula 
to forego purees altogether and to encourage your little one to eat real whole foods uh, from the beginning and very much a self-feeding movement so that babies can experience the textures and the flavors and aromas of real foods as they were meant to be and very much lets the the little one lead on their own kind of as you were saying understanding when they're hungry when they need to eat what they are eating and kind of give them exposure to choices um and then of course the the challenge that comes with that is that breast milk and formula are innately sweet and we just like sweet flavors because they're delicious and they taste good and the natural bitterness and savory flavors of vegetables it doesn't immediately seem as desirable to us so there's a lot of research on what's referred to now as the flavor window so when babies between four five six seven months they are most likely if they're exposed to uh, a, a lot of flavors they are less likely to become picky eaters later in life and the the likelihood increases the older that they are when they're trying new flavors. So with Tiny, we have a really wide diversity of ingredients and flavors so that it can be a fun experience for children to be exposed to all of those flavors, different kind of flavors from around the world, things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily make on your own in your home. And they'll have really wide exposure early on so that when later in life they are uh, an adult who is open to trying a lot of new flavors and different kinds of foods, specifically like the savory flavors that vegetables have to offer. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of baby led weaning. I didn't do that for my son who was four because I was so scared, you know, like <laughs> He didn't get his teeth like he, he had, by the time he was one, he still only had two teeth and they had like recently come in. So I was like, I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> and so now with my daughter who just turned one, you know, I started that way from the beginning and she loves like purees still, um, you know, they're really easy for like on the go or just to like kind of make her feel like she can hold something. But I love baby led weaning because like you said, even like that texture is so important for them to, instead of just like a puree to feel different textures for the different foods so that their palate gets used to that as well. And she's a way better eater. <laughs> so I'm a huge fan. And I, I was just thinking how you're an advocate for blended families and how a lot of blended families just like, I have a blended family, right? I'm Iranian. My husband's um, European and I'm hundred percent Iranian. So there, I incorporate so much of my culture into everything that I do. And food wise, I think it's interesting too, because I think the research behind, you know, ferment, you were just talking about sweet flavors, right? And I'm curious about like fermented foods. And if you guys have done research around that and how different cultures um, incorporate it and at what time period into a child's life, because I mean, I'll give like my daughter sauerkraut to eat and like play with. It's not like she's mowing it down or anything like that. <laughs> I haven't really seen that incorporated into baby foods. And I'm curious if you guys have like thought about it or played around with it. Yeah, we haven't tried any fermented foods just yet. But what you're saying is, is really interesting. The way that we all eat is so much ingrained in the kind of culture that we were raised in. And we don't realize what a real personal attachment we have to 
uh, those things. And it's really defined, you know, when we're eating as children, it really defines how we eat for the rest of our lives. And when you partner with someone that came from a different way of eating than you did as a child, I, my husband and I had this as well. I met my husband and he was a single dad with my now stepson and he was eating frozen pizza from the microwave. Like I had to totally revamp everything we were doing in our household. And so, you know, even as a, he's an older, he's seven now, and even my husband as an adult, it's, they're still being exposed to kind of new foods that they never had before and new ways of eating, but we can be exposed to those different types of foods earlier in childhood and be more likely to enjoy them later in life. So it's really about just exposing ourselves to as much as we can so that we can, you know, enjoy the, all the foods that every life and every culture have to offer. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to the Fullest Podcast. As you may or may not know, we've been sharing the benefits of saffron with our community for a little while now, and I want to offer 15% off our entire product line to our podcast listeners with code the fullest podcast at checkout online at thefullest.com. Growing up in a Persian family, I'd always felt the benefit of saffron in my life, but it wasn't until I stumbled on the research that it made me realize what powerful medicine it is. Saffron has been proven over and over again in clinical double-blind placebo trials to be an effective form of treatment for depression, anxiety, and ADHD. Saffron has been used by many cultures for thousands of years for these purposes, and now the research is here to finally back it up, proving that plant medicines and ancient healing practices can actually be an effective alternative to pharmaceuticals. At the fullest, we believe that incorporating this ancient wisdom into our modern lives is the most powerful and accessible path to healing. We also believe that everyone's journey is unique. So our product line offers a variety of formulas to help you curate saffron into your personal wellness routine. Warm Feelings is our saffron latte powder and comes in individual sachets and in large sustainable glass jars. Featuring 150 milligrams of high grade saffron in a creamy bed of coconut and cardamom. It's the perfect coffee alternative and feel good start to your day. If you prefer to pop a pill, Kinder Thoughts is our 30-day supply of saffron capsules, and it's a super simple way to support your body and mood with the power of saffron. Not to mention, it's really amazing for headaches if you feel one coming on. Our saffron soaks are the latest addition to our product lineup, which include Exheal, our saffron salt bath blend, and Inheal, our probiotic-rich saffron milk bath blend. Soak in them to support your digestion, inflammation, and support your skin microbiome. Honestly, at the moment, I'm using each of these products on a daily basis depending on my needs. And to help you begin your saffron journey, we're offering a discount of 15% off just for our podcast listeners with code the fullest podcast at checkout. I hope you enjoy your new daily saffron ritual. you know, food has become so confusing for adults. There's always, you know, this is the best food philosophy. There's plant-based, there's Weston A. Price, there's all these things in between. And um, I've definitely like tried them all. I, I have what I like and what feels right for me. And, but I do think it just becomes so confusing and it's so overwhelming, but obviously you guys have connected with parents and grown massively 
and um, are offering something that's very needed and very convenient and incredibly nutritious for children, not to mention it's organic, which is also, you know, not easy to find. And so um, I, I think obviously because of those reasons, you're growing massively, I'm assuming, because parents <laughs> want that for their children. And even if they're not necessarily doing that 100% for themselves, they're understanding the importance of it, especially for their young children. I'm curious, like, how are you, you're just direct to consumer. So how are you connecting with these families? How are you communicating with them? How have you grown so quickly? I think that that's, you know, everyone's burning question. And I, at a time where direct to consumer companies are finding that it's harder and harder to connect with the end user because of algorithms with ads being the way they are, like, tell us your secrets, tell us, um, you know, what, what you can share with other people who have brands where they want to connect with their end user and how you guys, you know, continue to do that and grow. Well, when we first started the company, when we were, were incubated in, in human ventures, which I know were on an earlier podcast episode of yours, and we were just developing the product, we sent an email to a parents group in uh, a nearby neighborhood in New York and a list of maybe 700 people and uh, just asking parents if they wanted to try a new baby food and kind of gave a description. And we have received hundreds of responses. We had to actually cap it at 100. And we rolled a cooler with baby food samples out to Prospect Park. And somehow parents were just willing to try this new baby food from complete strangers. I'm sure we didn't look so suspicious, but it just let us know that we were really filling a need and there was a real white space for us to, especially with how differentiated the product is, like there was a space for us that wasn't being met by anything else in the market. And I think as we, we ended up launching nationwide in January, 2020, just before the pandemic. Um, and then when, as the pandemic came on, we tell each other that we are really fortunate to be able to fulfill a real need at that time because we're shipping direct to consumer and frozen, it was a time when people didn't want to leave their houses and having frozen food was really a convenience factor. So we that was a great opportunity for us. And since then, as you mentioned, the DTC environment is not the same as what it was before and privacy settings and things, you know, good for humanity, but challenging for business just requires us to get really creative. So we try as many different kind of creative solutions as we can. We're definitely in a testing phase. There are a lot of different avenues to reach parents kind of where they are, whether it be parent groups or daycares and schools. And we are really just trying to reach out to all of these avenues, strategic partnerships with like-minded brands that are non-competitive, but that we can sort of share, share product lines with. And we do a lot of surveying of the customers we do have. It's 90% of our customers are both parents are full-time working parents in the household. So we are really filling a convenience need for parents that want to give healthy options to their baby. But we all know that preparing every meal for a child, it takes forever. It's exhausting and really can take up your day. So to have a convenient frozen option that you can reheat in the microwave or on stovetop at your fingertips has really helped people. Their kind of biggest use cases, like a week weeknight dinner, or when you just can't 
see yourself cooking after finishing work or sending our tiny cups as a lunch to the daycare when you can't prep it in the morning before school. So really just filling a need for working parents and working parents have been looking for this need wasn't being filled before. There was really space for us in the market to help parents get more time back to spend with their families. Yeah, that makes sense. So I completely agree. I think that when you directly connect with these different groups, it gives you so much more feedback and it can really, I mean, we've kind of done the same thing where we send out surveys or we invite people to do some experiences with us and that um, in-person connection is so incredible and it doesn't necessarily have to be like with you, right? It's with your product. So I, yeah, I think that trying it, tasting it, feeling it, all that stuff is um, really powerful and offering that to their children. And, and like you said, I'm, you know, you're like, you are a co-parenting expert and a lot of parents, whether they're together or not, we're all working, we're all busy. And especially if you're co-parenting or you're a single mom or single dad, you know, you have incredible meals that can be used not just for lunch but for dinner as well and pasta and curry and meals that get heated up and feel like this homemade meal that's organic and really nutritious and delicious and something that um gives your kids more than just you know i don't know like cooking up some annie's mac and cheese right like it's (laughs) actually great for them going back to just like business in general and the d2c environment changing you know, there's so many great opportunities to connect with different groups. And it's just a matter of like going out there and finding them. So I'm curious, like who does that for you guys? Like, do you have like a marketing team or are you guys, you know, they're your three founders, like who kind of spearheads that and chooses the groups and um, continues to like expand on that side? We have a, a tiny but mighty team, um, about eight people working now in the office with us, including a marketing team of a couple people. And the team's really been great at identifying a couple key things, like-minded brands of a similar size who are open to, you know, the things that work for us are like an Instagram swap or sharing a, a dedicated email to each other's email lists. And it's with the environment changing, those kinds of back to basics, doing a dedicated email to each other's list really actually work for us quite well. And then we have also focused on some strategic partnerships with parent groups or daycares that are especially local to our area where we have a lot of customer density. And once you, you know, even if the groups are small, the parent word of mouth is like no other word of mouth and parents are definitely looking to each other for recommendations about what to uh, offer to their children. And so it can really spread from a small group of parents can really spread the word and kind of become ambassadors of the brand. We are fortunate that we have uh, a lot of really sticky customers that kind of stay dedicated for a long time. And the thing about a baby food is that there's uh, another batch of babies born every year. So we're actually now seeing parents coming back for their second child, which is really exciting as well. Yeah, that makes so much sense because it's like a short period of their life, but you always have children being born and always expanding. So it's a great um, model, I think. (laughs) There's some models that 
it's like you just have to keep going out and getting more like for example i was thinking about this the other day like a mattress company i'm like how often is someone really going to buy their mattress like it's a really long time and then you just have to keep finding new and new people more and more people whereas like babies are like you said fresh babies born every year That's a great business model. Would you ever like, you know, I love Coterie and I just noticed that they are now in Whole Foods, which is really great. And they started D2C and subscription like you guys. Are you, is like growth plan something like that getting into Whole Foods or is there, what's the margin like there? Yeah. Being in retail is definitely part of the plan and has always been the plan for starting direct to consumer online helps you move quick and really get exposure to a kind of a wide variety of customers from the beginning, but it has its challenges and, and costs associated with it. So being in retail has always been part of plan additionally, because people do still go to the grocery store. Um, it's where people have a lot of discovery on brands when you're kind of browsing the shelf and you see something that looks interesting and you never tried before. So we're looking at retail very much as a discovery platform for us. It's also our food. I might be biased, but it tastes really good. So it samples well in a grocery store as well. So we're looking forward to some sampling and for our business, you know, when we're, we're shipping boxes, the food is frozen. So we have to ship with dry ice that comes with challenges and costs that don't happen at a grocery store. So there's a lot of opportunity to be gained there. We would always continue with direct consumer and subscription because especially with baby food, it's something that is a really regular behavior. Parents say that it's super easy for them to turn on the subscription and just forget about it and get their regular deliveries all the time and kind of feed the food on a regular basis. So it lends itself well to subscription, but a lot of people are are looking for us in stores too. So they'll be able to find us soon. It's convenient when you're traveling and you don't want to bring stuff and you know, like a specific chain has it and you can go like rely on it, but still stay. Like that's, what's nice is being on a subscription. It won't necessarily compete within store because you might go in store and like pick it up. Like that's what I do with my coterie diapers. I like go into whole foods now and get it. If I ran out or my subscription, you know, something happened, it got glitchy and it, I can't get it and it's so convenient. So that's exciting because I I just love that. I love having access to things like easily, but I just love what you guys are doing. And I know that there's a lot of moving parts like, and your role, supply chain management, you know, operations, like you're managing all that from food manufacturing to storing it to, you know, distributing it. Like your role is huge. So um, can you tell us a little bit about like just day to day managing that and a family at the same time and like being present? Definitely. It's uh, in the last couple of years, it's um, I've never heard people talk about supply chain more than than they ever have probably in their whole lives. Didn't even know what the supply chain meant. Um, But the supply chain challenges are real right now. It's very challenging. There's a reason that your favorite things from the store are not there and that your deliveries are seeming like they're taking longer. You're not imagining it. Um, It's really affecting everyone. So a lot of my day-to-day on the operations is just around planning. I do a lot of 
prep work, uh, preparing for the worst, making sure that everything is kind of working effectively. I do a lot of spreadsheets. I'm a little bit of a spreadsheet wizard. And so it's mostly just kind of, it's preparing for the unknown. Um, I think especially in since the pandemic, we kind of all learned that something really traumatic happened that we weren't prepared for um, and really changed my methodology and just a really profound career moment for me where I started to think about what if this breaks or what if something terrible happens, how can I be prepared to kind of minimize interruption on that? And it's it's funny how many kind of parallels there are to that in managing your own life and your household. I think a lot of women, I myself included, consider myself the COO of the house as well. So you're, uh, I, I'm CEO of a business and of a household and family at the same time. And there are so many parallels around being the one who's the planner, especially when it comes to food, like preparing the meals. I don't know if my family would eat if it wasn't for me. And I think a, a lot of women, I believe, feel the same way, um, you know, between your, your work and your household kind of overlaps uh, our imitating life, if you will. How do you manage all, I mean, things that go wrong, like you said, it's very similar, the parallels between a family and business and, and, you know, just supply chain issues being the way they are. Like, do you manage or do you get anxiety? How do you manage it? I mean, it's so funny. Someone I, I love seeing, I mean, it's kind of the nature of my business as well and why I am in the wellness space and just a holistic health space. But I love going to different, you know, healers and chiropractors and stuff. And I, the other day, one person said to me, repeat after me, I let go of the unpredictability of my children or, you know, just life. And that's really what anxiety is just like worrying about the future or whatever. So do you get anxiety? How do you manage it? <laughs> I do. I am pretty good at keeping my cool about it, but in my head, it's definitely, uh, definitely feeling some anxiety and you're absolutely right. You can only prepare so much and there will be something else. It's not a matter of if, but when something goes wrong. And so personally, I try to, um, you know, just think about the bigger picture there are most things are most things are fixable and even if it takes some time and some resources like most things are fixable and just telling myself that everything's going to be okay because in general it is going to be okay um and we kind of forget it and we all we know the phrase to not sweat the small stuff but the small stuff is really upsetting so it's it's easier said than done but i think just knowing i feeling confident in the effort that I've put into planning and preparing and, and anything that slips through the cracks after that was probably unavoidable anyway. And it's definitely, it will be resolved and kind of just taking solace in that. I love that. I think it is true. Like everything can be fixed. And I'm wondering like just how as a founder or as a co-founder with your other partners, how do you guys like navigate, you know, just communication in general? And I'm, sh I, I don't have any co-founders, right? So like for me, it's kind of like, I can maybe be hard on myself or go through my own emotions. And then it's like, 
oh my gosh, that's such a big deal, but okay, it's not that big of a deal. We're going to make it work or whatever. But especially with you, I think a lot is probably placed on you right now with what's going on supply chain wise. So how do you like not blame yourself and kind of come together and communicate and how does all that work? Yeah, we, um, what works with our co-founder dynamic is everyone has really clear lanes um, and whether it's your co-founders or other people on your team, I really try to follow that, let people do the things that they're good at and um, trust them to do it, as do it well. And that really kind of relieves some pressure if you off yourself when um, you can kind of trust the partners that you're working with to be good at, at what they're good at. And we have really open lines of communication and it's, especially with operations and supply chain, it's usually if you're not hearing from me, everything's going well. And then if I have something to share, that usually means there's there's a problem. So kind of just letting the team take uh, take comfort in me. I'm If I'm coming with a problem, like I'm really raising my hand and saying that I need help and we let everyone do that pretty freely and just kind of being open to helping each other and yeah, working together on, on, again, everything can be fixed and we're going into it with that mentality that we're going to come with a solution and that helps as well. I love that perspective um, on everything, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed having you on. I love learning about tiny organics and you and um, what's inspired you guys to start the brand. You know, I didn't think about the difference between baby, I, even though I did a baby led weaning and I was really interested in it. I didn't think about how there was totally white space in the market for a company like yours to come in and I really love everything that you guys are doing. I'm excited to watch you guys grow and um, I appreciate you coming on and sharing more about it. Thank you so much. It was great speaking with you. 